Is That Really in the Bible presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. I'd like to welcome the, uh, all who may hear this later on either a CD or video, uh, DVD, whatever. <clears throat> there is a dominant Christian teaching out there and when I say dominant, I mean it dominates. It dominates religious books. It dominates religious articles, television evangelists, radio, TV. It's a dominant Christian teaching about eternal life, how to have it, about salvation. And it goes something like this. And you will hear it often, almost like an altar call. Often you'll hear it at the end of an altar call. And it goes something like this. Just call on the name of the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. Just call on the name of the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. Now that is a scripture in the Bible. And I'm not knocking it. It is a beginning point. It's an important beginning point. The problem is most people start and they stop there. <laughs> and, and, you know, that, that's it. Uh, you know, I've called on the name of the Lord. I've raised my hand. I've invited Jesus into my heart. And that's it. That's that. That settles that. Now, why is it that the most important decision you will ever make somehow created into the most simplistic I mean, we're talking about eternal life. We're talking about salvation. And when I look at the man or, or you look at the man or woman in the mirror, you realize there's a lot about me that needs saving because there's a lot of things wrong about me. You know, there's a lot of fixing there. But how could it be that this one teaching, you know, eternal life, how to have salvation, is the easiest thing you ever do? You know, it's easier, someone said it's easier than finding a job, it's easier than finding a mate, it's easier than finding, uh, building a home, it's easier than building a garage, it's easier than finding a career, or, or it's easier than going to college. It's the easiest thing you will ever do in your entire life is almost the way that it is presented. And I sometimes wonder, if it is that easy, why doesn't everybody do it? You know? <laughs> uh, well, I think there's a number of reasons why everybody don't do it. Some, a lot of people just don't care about religion, period. That's one reason that they don't do it. Another reason, maybe, is some people feel very unworthily. I mean, they, they don't feel they deserve forgiveness. They, they look at their lives, and they look at, at the sins of their lives, and they think, and they may think, okay, that's a little bit too simplistic there. Just call on the name of the Lord Jesus. I mean, if you knew what I had done, you know, that's almost too simplistic. Some people can see straight through the deception that, yeah, it's got to be a little bit more to it than that. But I think a lot of religious people want it to be that simple. They really do. And, you know, they're, even the carnal side of me, you know, I still have a carnal side, by the way. Uh, it's what gets in the way, what messes me up. But even the carnal side of me would like nothing better 
than to believe that all I got to do is just call on the name of the Lord Jesus and I'm going to be saved. It's an appeal there, I have to admit. It's, it's almost, you know, it's, it's very simplistic. And again, it's a starting point. It is a starting point. But, so let's take a look at how the Scripture says we should read the Bible, how we should understand the Bible, how we should apply the Bible. It's in Isaiah 28 and verse 9. Isaiah 28 and verse 9. gives us some great instruction, and you sometimes wonder, do people ever even think about this verse, and do they apply it? It says, Isaiah 28 and verse 9, Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? There's the word doctrine. Them that are weaned from the milk, and drawn from the breast. So, my personal opinion is that the doctrine of salvation or eternal life has been given to us by babes, those who are not, who have not been weaned, and they're still on baby food, and they're sharing what they think about salvation. That's my personal opinion. Again, continuing on in verse 10, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, Upon line, here a little, there a little. What does that tell you about understanding the Bible? Well, what it tells us, it means that we don't get all the answers from one, just one verse. I mean, that's common sense to me. And you surely don't get all the answers just from one verse about the most important subject that you will ever encounter in your entire life, eternal life or salvation. Just call on the name of the Lord Jesus. So let's take a look at it. Romans 10 and verse 9. Romans 10 and verse 9, and I'll try to explain it maybe toward the end of this message. But let's, let's look at some stuff here before. It says, Romans 10 and verse 9, it says that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart, man, and you know, Tim talked about the heart. And he talked about how the heart and the mind is connected. And I thought that was a powerful point. But let's notice this. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. What does it mean to believe God with all your heart? Or, or with, with all of your heart? And, and what is this expression, unto righteousness? What is righteousness? Well, to put it in a, maybe my own definition of, of what righteousness is, it's being faced with two decisions. One is right, one is wrong. And by the volition of the will, we make the right decision. Now that's a mouthful. And believe me, it's not easy. <laughs> okay, we're faced with two decisions. One is right, one is wrong. And by the volition of the will, we make the right decision. Now obviously, this is not going to happen 
on our own strength. You know, Christ said, without me, you can do nothing. I mean, you're going to have to have the Spirit of God to even do this. To, to have the will to even do the right thing. Or to have the power. Now, in the Old Testament, it talks about with the heart. Loving God with the heart. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5. And this is, this is, you know, when you really get down to this, this is such a powerful scripture. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5. It says, in you, who's that talking to? <laughs> you, the man or woman in the mirror, shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Are we doing that? How well are we doing that? There's, there's more than... It's more than just an emotion. It's an action that goes along with it. How do we know that? Well, John 14, Jesus, Jesus said at John 14 and verse 15, <clears throat> John 14 and verse 15, and this is a familiar scripture, but, he, but he, he, he says, if you love me, the biggest two-letter word in the English language, if, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father that he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. What is this comforter? What is this? Uh, well, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. The spirit of God, the spirit of truth. My point is, we can love God only on an emotional level. And sometimes you see that in religion. Okay. But it's not until we realize that there are actions that must back up our emotions and feelings. There's nothing wrong with your feelings and emotions, but you know, true actions will lead to emotions and feelings, how you feel and how, how about God. So now this verse says, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him, but knows, but you know him for he dwells in you and shall be uh, with you and shall be in you. There, my point is this, that, that there are people who can, who cannot know God. Why? Why is that? Well, because they only view God through the lens of their emotions and there is no obedience. There's the word. Well, okay, why'd you bring that up? Obedience. Well, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So it, it, it's pretty straightforward. Now, let me give you, give you an analogy here. One that really fills our society, in, in our sin-sick society or whatever. You know, there is loving a woman as an object for sex which is very common in our perverted society, versus loving her as a whole person. Loving her heart. Loving her with all your heart. There's a big difference between the two. Big difference between the two. You could say one is not love, the other is love. Then the, all right, the analogy is 
I'm trying to fit this in. We love God for one specific reason. Often people love God for one spe specific reason, to get saved, okay? And that one reason is so simplified, just call on the name of the Lord. But loving God as a whole, loving the heart of God, or loving God with all your heart, is a completely different story. It's a completely different thing. As we, so one is oversimplified, as you might see. Again, Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. What does this mean? To love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Are we missing something? Yeah, I would say throughout my life I've been, I've been missing a lot there. What it really means to love God with all of my heart, all of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my might. Is there more to salvation than just calling on the name of the Lord? Well, let's go through some of these. Matthew 19 and verse 16. This is a good scripture. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good things sh uh, shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you call me good? There is none good but one. Notice the humility there. I mean, this is, this is the Son of God. This is Christ Jesus. And he says, there's none good but one. And that is God. But if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. Now here, and then he begins to reiterate the Ten Commandments. Now, and he begins to list the Ten Commandments. But beware of those people who like to say, well, there's only two commandments. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. No, that, 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 yeah, but it's a summation of the Ten Commandments. The first four tell us how to love God. The last six tell, tells us how to love our fellow man. It's not just me deciding, okay, I'm going to love God and I'm going to love my fellow man, I'm going to decide how to do it, you know. <laughs> Which no telling where that would end up at, I mean, if you think about it. Coming up with my own line of reasoning there. But I, you know, you might want to try this asking some ministries the same question. Mega ministries. What must I do to be saved? Write them a letter. See what kind of response you get. I didn't write, I, you know, I, I've written some mega ministries. If I, if I named them, you would recognize them. And I asked them, what do I have to do to be saved? And the most common answer was, well, it's very simple. Just receive and believe. Just receive and believe. That was it in a nutshell. And I don't know if you would find one, a ministry out there that will tell you the words of Jesus. If you will enter into life, keep the commandments. Now maybe you will. Maybe there's a few out there. But you ought to try it. That's a challenge for you. Get, out, start, write, get your letter, get your pen and paper out and write some mega ministries and ask them the question. How can I get saved? What do I, what do I got to do to be saved? And see what kind of answers you get and share them with, with, with me. Share them with the church. See what happens. All right, Hebrews 3 and verse 18. We're talking about, okay, is there more to salvation, eternal life, than just calling upon the name of the Lord? 
That's the question we're asking. Hebrews 3 and verse 18. It says, and to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see, they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now those two words, you know, a group of people here that believe not and because of unbelief. Now the word means disobedient. They obeyed not. Okay. Unbelieving, unfaithfulness, disobedience is what the word actually means. So, when people say, well, all you have to do is to believe, you got to understand the meaning of the word, you know? And, you know, a lot of people don't understand the meaning of the word. You know, they don't, number one, you know, how many people, if, if they don't bring their Bibles to church, well, chances are you can almost guarantee they don't have a Strong's Concordance, you know, or wouldn't know how to. When I bought my first Strong's Concordance, and this is before, I won't say before computers, I mean, computers were out, but back then, 30 years ago, you know, I went to a, a Baptist bookstore to buy a Strong's Concordance. And she handed me this, this thick book, about that thick, and she said, here. And I opened it up, and she said, would you like me to tell you how to use it? <laughs> Did you find the word here and then you turn back, match it, you know, and, and get the answer back? And so, <laughs> but, but it's important to know the meaning of the word. And that word unbelief means, you know, okay, just believe or whatever. Okay, it's talking about disobedience. Uh, <clears throat> okay, Acts 2 and verse 37. We're talking about, is there more to it? than just calling upon the name of the Lord. Now this was Peter's powerful message on Pente Pentecost. And it says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Again, there's the question. What must I do? What must I do to be saved? Ask some mega ministries that question. What do you think Peter's answer was? Just receive and believe. Just call on the name of the Lord Jesus. No, we can actually read what he said. Acts 2 and verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. That's a process. That's a step-by-step -step process, by the way, that is often overlooked. True repentance is a big thing that we must do. And, you know, I don't think we get true repentance at baptism. Maybe we think we do. To the best of our ability, we think we do. But, you know, there's a, there's a difference between remorse and repentance, you know. Remorse often is doesn't lead to victory. You know, remorse is, well, I'm sorry, you know, I did this thing again. But, but true repentance is making a U-turn, turning from the direction that you're going. So I think, a lot, I think a lot of times we have remorse. And again, all of this is a process. You know, remorse is, is a, it's, a, it's a start, like calling on the name of the Lord is a start. Uh, but 
the ultimate goal is true repentance, turning, victory, and overcoming. And the book of Revelation talks about, you know, the, to the winner, uh, to the overcomer. The next step is to receive the Holy Spirit. If any man have not the spirit, of, uh, spirit, he is none of his. Now, the Spirit of God, receiving the Spirit of God, I think there's three deadly mistakes that people make. Number one, a lot of people think they're born with it. A lot of people think, well, I've, been a, I've, heard, I've heard this a lot. I'm, I've been a seeker after God all my life. And there's this illusion that, well, I, I, evidently I was born with the Spirit of God because I, I've been seeking God. I loved God all my life. Now, I can't relate to that. You know, I was sort of a, reb, a rebel, by the way. And, uh, but definitely not been a seeker after God all my life. And even though I was brought up in a religious family, there was some rebellion going on there and, uh, that you can probably relate to. But... Uh, <laughs> uh, so I was born with okay. Next deadly mistake people make, and I see this one a lot, is because I like to go to church. There's a lot of people that like to go to church. And because they like to go to church, they just assume that I've got everything I need. I have the Spirit. I like to go. I'm led by the Spirit, you know. And, and because I like to go to church, I must have the Spirit of God. That's a deadly mistake. <clears throat> Another one is I just feel like I have it. A lot of people just feel like, man, I, I think I got the Spirit of God. And I think in the charismatic movement of a tongues movement, you know, which again, tongues was, was a, used for communicating the gospel to people. That was the purpose. Languages is what the word means. You know, they're sitting around, go ye therefore into all the world. Well, we can't communicate to these people. How are we going to do that? Day of Pentecost comes, and they're given the gifts of tongues, the ability to speak in languages, and now the connection is made. But I bet it would be nearly impossible to go to some of these charismatic people speaking in tongues, which may be a gibberish, they may be acting like buffoons, and convince them that's not the Spirit of God. Probably impossible, probably impossible to convince them that there, are, there is a counterfeit spirit. And we need to be aware of that. There is a counterfeit spirit. Um, another thing I think is that I need to touch on is baptism. You know, a lot of times I hear people say, well, I was, I was saved at age 8. I was saved at age 10. Listen, listen now this is my opinion. You don't have to agree with it. But one of the things you've got to have to be baptized is to know what sin is. Sin is the transgression of the law. My personal opinion is you cannot know what sin is before puberty. You've got to have a maturity level there to understand what it is that I did that sent my Savior to the cross to die for my sins. If you don't know that, you can't really repent, can you? You know, I mean, I, that, that's just my opinion on that one. There is a way to receive the Spirit of God, and we have information on how to receive the Spirit of God. Should you be baptized? We have baptism counseling, which is, the, which is a set of CDs back there that tries to, where I tried to lead people to understand, you know, one, should I be rebaptized? Uh, what is sin? You know, what is salvation? It, it's a very important uh, 
outlet tool back there, baptism counseling, what you should have known before being baptized. Okay, another point. Okay, we're talking about is there more to salvation than, than just eternal life than just calling on the name of the Lord. John 3 and verse 5, <clears throat> this, this one's talking about, well, another confusing subject, but Jesus answered, Nicodemus came to Jesus. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, I think this is a reference to baptism. And what is baptism? It's a watery grave that you go down into where those things are buried. Your past sins are buried. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect from that day forward. But, okay. And then to receive the Spirit of God. He cannot enter the kingdom of God except a man be born of water and spirit. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Uh, so a person needs to go through this, this process. So there's a process for being saved and having eternal life. Notice Romans 12 and verse 1. This sort of really, I mean, just sort of blows the concept out of the water that is there more to salvation than just calling on the name of the Lord? Romans 12 and verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. I don't know about you, but I, I'm not crazy about the sound of that. You know, I, a living sacrifice. That, that's pretty powerful. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Notice it's not unreasonable. It's your reasonable service. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Easier said than done, by the way. Easier said than done. And then, then he goes on and says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. We might add to that, as Tim said, your mind, your heart, that connection between the two. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. <clears throat> All right, so let's go to the verse that we've been talking about. Romans 10 and verse 13. No, yeah, yeah. Romans 10 and verse 13. Glass is working, glass is not working. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now we could stop there. And we could all walk out and say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But let's continue on. Romans 10 and verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Verse 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I think the reason the church of God exists is to go beyond just the simplistic, just call on the name of the Lord Jesus, and to give you a full picture of, of what it really means to be to have or to be working toward or to have eternal life, salvation. It's probably it's the reason the church of God exists. It's very purpose. Uh, 
Because the Bible warns of false prophets. I'm going to give you my definition of a false prophet. One who oversimplifies the gospel. One who oversimplifies the gospel. Just call on the name of the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. That's oversimplifying the gospel. Do they know better? I wonder. They should know better. If they know anything about the Bible, they should know better. If they know that verse line upon line, here a little, there a little, if, if, if they read their Bible, they should know better. But sometimes it's an issue of what sells. Or it's an issue of what's the easiest. Or it's the issue of how can we get more name on the church roster and, and we've got all these people saved today and they've all come down to the altar. And, and, and you know, so it, it, Ego can be involved also in churches. Believe me, it can be. You know, the Bible tells us Satan appears as an angel of light. That's a troubling scripture. I thought he showed up in a red body stocking with a pitchfork and a little sharp beard, you know, mustache. He appears as an angel of light? Hmm. So you got to, okay, identify that. Um, well, let's just read it. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 14. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 14. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Well, originally, that's what he was, an archangel. Okay, but he appears an angel of light. Therefore, now this, this next verse is really troubling. It is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their, to their works. You, you mean he has ministers? Where might you find those ministers? I'll let you answer that question. So my point is, in closing, don't let yourself be lied to about the Bible. Don't let yourself be lied to about the most important subject in the Bible. Salvation. Eternal life. When receiving eternal life has been so simplified and there is no obedience, you have just been lied to about the Bible when it's been oversimplified. So how can we help? How can we help others understand this? Well, one thing, uh, you're up against a monumental task because this is so commonly preached. Just Believe and that's it. You're up against a monumental task. I think people want to believe that it is easy. So in helping people, you might say, well, look, you can't get all your answers from just one verse. You know, that, that's not logical. That's one way. You could ask, why do you want to believe that it's that easy? <laughs> I'd love to ask. <laughs> I'm not sure what the answer would be. But why, 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 do, you, why do you think, why, why do you want, what is your motive for wanting to believe that this is the easiest thing you ever do? Um, you could quote the verse, John 14 and verse 15. If you love me, you know, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And if you're dealing with a person that talks about, well, there's only two commandments, and you can, you can tell them, you know, love God, love your neighbor as yourself, you can say, no, that's a summation of the Ten Commandments. 
explain that to them? Because that one, that's, that's a go-to right there. Jesus, Jesus only said two commandments. Love God, love your neighbor. Okay. And again, God doesn't leave it up to us how we're going to do this. This is how I will love God and my neighbor. No. He defines that for us. So there is a process for being saved and having eternal life. Accepting Christ as your personal Savior, repentance, baptism, and receiving the Spirit of God. And, you know, I, I think of that verse. We quoted it earlier, uh, Romans 8 and verse now, 9. Excuse me. It says, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And that, that message of how. Okay. How do I receive the Spirit of God? It has been hid. It has been taught in, you know, ignorance. It's been oversimplified. There's incredible deception that goes along with it. You know, how? I would be willing to say, I don't know if it's his greatest deception, but I'd be willing to say that that is one of his greatest deception out there. How do I receive the Spirit of God? Because it's, it's the most critical issue as we look at what the Bible says. If a person doesn't have the Spirit of God, he is none of his. So what am I, if, I, if I were Satan, what would I do? Well, I would set up churches that taught something quite different than what I've just gone through. Uh, that's what I would do. So, I, again, I, I believe it's one of his greatest deception, and we need to be aware of that, and hopefully, hopefully we can help people. Again, it's a monumental task because they've been brainwashed for so long by that simplistic teaching. Again, that simplistic teaching is a start, but you can't start there. Just call on the name of the Lord Jesus and stop and think, oh, I've done everything I need to do. No, there's more to it than, to it than that. So, For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is is that really in the Bible.net? If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia 24151. Or visit us on the web at Is That Really in the Bible.net.